With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and of the Dynasty Guru. This is episode 128, coming to you on, uh, what is this? This is August 19th. Uh, We're recording a little bit later than we usually do. We usually record on a Sunday, but Keaton and I were both traveling and kind of tired and you know, we didn't feel like we could bring the energy, so we decided to postpone until today to give you the best show possible. Keaton, how are you, my friend? Doing okay. Still uh, trying to recover from this Chris Sale news. That was fun to get on a travel day, just sitting on a plane for two hours thinking about how sad I am about Chris Sale. So. Yeah, and I believe this news broke right after we had met, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was while I was standing in line to board. I texted you. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so Keaton and I met up for the first time uh, this past week, and that was fun. So we uh, got some food and drink in Portland. So always nice to uh, meet up with the person you talk to every week. Um, It's funny how when you're in the baseball stuff, you just have, like, all these people that you feel like you know really, really well because you talk to them all the time and – you know, you don't actually interact in person all that often or, or ever. Yeah. And just kind of bouncing around, it's fun to see uh, what different cities people are in and then kind of running into them at different things. Like, 
uh, running into Kaz at the BP event last year. It was pretty cool. And there was uh, some other TDG folks there. So that was kind of cool to see them. Guys that were just were all over the place just writing for the same outlet and talking to you every day. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to it then. Um, Chris Sale is now on the IL with elbow inflammation and is going to seek a second opinion from Dr. James Andrews. Um, first of all, this sounds really bad. Um, we don't want to speculate uh, on whether or not Dr. James Andrews is going to say, hey, Chris, you need Tommy John, but let's be honest. Um, we have to talk about that because Tommy John is a real possibility when you have elbow inflammation and you're going to see Dr. James Andrews. Um, my first impressions of this were, oh man, this is really bad, not only for this year, because like this year's kind of shot already, but just like looking forward, this is going to be tough if Chris Sale has to miss extended time, especially with Tommy John surgery. That could be... That could be a huge blow to this team uh, in their immediate future. So if Sale ends up having to miss T, you know, all of 2020 with Tej, there's a lot of dominoes that kind of fall after him or with that news. Most of which is kind of just what that puts the rotation in. We know Porcello is gone. Maybe I mean, maybe if he ends up needing Tommy John, then this you know, pushes the Red Sox to extend, like, a one-year deal to him. Yay! <laughs> Much to the delight of Jake. But, because yes. uh, I think we reviewed the on a, on a previous pod what's out there for starters, and it's not a ton. There's, yeah. I mean, and they're not going to go after an impact starter, like, a long-term investment on, like, a high-end option because... You already have sixty million dollars invested in price and sale, uh, and still have three more years with Evaldi. So maybe they extend like a I don't know one year, ten million dollars offer to Porcello just to bridge the gap to get him back. But I mean the, the rotation is not going to look good, right, for next year, and so. What I mean, they don't really have any internal options. They shouldn't rush like Tanner Houck, who is probably more of a reliever, um, or Mata, who I'm not sure what his role looks more like now. But they don't, they, there's nowhere internally for a starter they can go. So they're going to have to sign somebody. So it's not going to be a long-term impact person. So that's going to be a mess. But then, of course, there's the if it is out for a year, then there's going to be the people who, um, and I believe uh, there was someone on Twitter, either you replied to or someone replied to you, I can't remember who it was now, but brought up the, the people who were already saying trade Mookie at the trade deadline are going to say if next year's lost anyway, then trade Mookie and get something in return for 2021, which I just don't think is the right way to go at all, but... 20, the right move for 2021 would be to sign Mookie. But yeah, I, mean, me. I, th I think those calls are going to 
be very loud if if Chris Sale oh, yeah. undergoes Tommy John surgery. That is going to be yep. the dominant discussion in the offseason is for sure um, whether or not you're going to lock up Mookie long term or trade Mookie. And I think that those are really the only two options that people are looking at. People are going to be deeply unsatisfied with the let Mookie just play out the string and walk. Um, although I think that's a better option than trading him, to be honest. Um, considering whatever team trades for Mookie is also going to be on the hook for like $500 million contract or whatever the hell he wants. Um, so I don't know what exactly one year of Mookie is going to get you. I still think it would be substantial, but I I truly don't know. I, I think you have to have a read on the player, and I don't know if they 100% do have a read on the player. Um, I, I'm not going to speculate about that now. I think what's the most important takeaway from this whole Chris Sale um, injury is whether or not you believe that the Chris Sale contract when it was signed um, was a mistake by Dave Dombrowski. And we got a question from Craig McCormick um, who asks us this exact thing. He says, did the Red Sox make a mistake by signing Chris Sale before the season or were they smart to not let him get to free agency? Um, So, let me ask you, uh, Keaton, he did sign that five-year, $145 million extension that lasts through 2024. The first year of that will be next year when he may or may not even be pitching. Um, did Dave Dombrowski do the right thing here, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I was for it at the time, um, so I'm not going to say that. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, so I'm going to say that I'm for it. I mean, I know that... Uh, there's probably more evidence or arguments for why you should have let him play it out uh, as far as like the business of baseball. But at the same time, I think we all we would agree, uh, even after our last season with the injuries, I think we thought Chris Sale was like a top five, top three pitcher in baseball. And he wanted to stay here. And when you have a guy who wants to stay here, uh, he was just turning 30 this season so i believe he entered the season um at the start like opening day he was 29 um a couple months in the season turned 30 so he wasn't particularly old by pitchers uh standards nowadays and i mean pitchers are doing uh you know their window of opportunity is kind of elongated now i mean we've see what like Scherzer's doing at like 35, 36 and Verlander and those guys. And those are unique talents like Chris Sale. Um, bit more sturdy, bit more built than Chris Sale is. But um, certainly like signing a guy to a seven-year deal at 29, um, it's not outrageous. That's not really – and who's a, a top five, top three guy in the game uh, – I don't I really have a problem with it, especially because I wanted him here because he's just an awesome dude. So uh, I didn't have a problem with it. But then, I mean, if you start thinking about the optics around it, um, you know, he ended the season last year with the injuries, and pretty that was pretty significant injuries. Um, for the most part, he had been relatively healthy. Uh, leading up to that, he'd been on the DL a few times with uh, – some weird shoulder stuff with the White Sox, but um, I guess what pitcher hasn't. So I guess in terms of 
the landscape of the game, he had been relatively healthy up until that point. Um, Probably the bigger reason, though, um, his career splits by month uh, get worse as the season goes on, and that was pretty well documented uh, over the past couple seasons now that he's been with the Red Sox. I mean, prior to that, with the White Sox, they'd never really gone into the playoffs, so no one really ever paid attention to it. But the past two seasons, being with the Red Sox, being contention, going into the playoffs, there was a lot more emphasis on it. But his ERA in May is 2.69. In June, it's 2.5. July, it's 2.78. And then in August, it's 3.3. September, October, it's 3.7, which is a full run, 1.2 runs higher than the earlier months of the season. So enough had been documented about how he tends to break down and get tired at the end of the season that there's probably more red flags than most of those other top-tier pitchers signing those deals. That it, it may have made sense, but he's had a career breaking down at the end. He was getting having more serious issues at the end of the season last year that it, it may have made more sense. But at the same time, Chris Hess was really good. So I don't, I don't think it was all that bad of a deal but i'm kind of like in the middle like i probably would have been okay with it either way you know what i mean like if they had waited to see what was happening if he was healthy or not and then still gave him this massive extension i still would have been fine with it um obviously hindsight's 2020 but i mean what are we talking about like so let's let's say worst case scenario goes through tommy john it's not the death sentence for pitchers that it used to be comes back in 2021 would you rather Opening day, 2021, not have Chris Sale on your roster or have Chris Sale on your roster? Um, I think it all depends on what you would have on your roster if you decided not to sign Chris Sale. You know, you'd all of a sudden have a lot of money that you'd be able to to throw at another free agent, um, whether that's this offseason or the following offseason. Um when Chris Sale comes back from Tommy John surgery, that will be his age 32 season. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's a big consideration um, for all this. For for what it's worth, um, at the time when Dave Dombrowski signed this deal, before Dave Dombrowski signed this deal, um, obviously I'm big in the podcast game for, for Red Sox stuff. That's all I do is talk about Red Sox. So we're trying to come up with like – uh, off-season topics for the Red Sox, and one of the things that we were talking about was whether or not we were in favor of signing Chris Sale to an extension. Um, and I have been on the side of let's err on the side of caution with Chris Sale because there are so many things, and you mentioned a good number of those things, Keaton, uh, about his fading in the second half, the fact that he had two stints on the IL with shoulder issues last year. Um, this is his age 30 season this year. Um, he turned 30, uh, on the 30th of March. So essentially this, this is his age 30 season. Right. Um, the Red Sox have had a history of not wanting to pay pitchers who, uh, are in their thirties. They let Pedro go after 2004. Um, they let, um, John Lester go in, you know, maybe the ugliest fashion by lowballing him, but a big reason why they, did lowball him in the first place is because they had an organizational philosophy under Charrington of um, not signing pitchers who were in their 30s because they tend to break down. 
With Chris Hill, he's also the guy who had the nickname on the back of his jersey, Stickman. Um, he's six foot six. He weighs like 180 pounds. He's so skinny. Um, he's just he's had these mechanics that have scared the shit out of people um, for the last eight seasons, and I agree that those mechanics work for him, and that maybe that's not like a fair thing um, to say, but it definitely I think gives him a little bit more risk than some of the big bodied guys that you were talking about, the horses like the Scherzers and the Verlanders and those type of guys. So for me, I was against signing Chris Sale uh, in the offseason, even if you got him at a discount, because all of a sudden you're opening yourself up to added risk and you're you're risking situations just like this. And uh, off offline, before we got on the podcast, you mentioned like, well – you know, you you resale uh, you you resign Chris Sale for the same reason like you would resign a guy like Mookie Betts, and I think that was the example you gave, right? It was Mookie Betts. Yeah. So like, um, you know, if Mookie Betts comes to you in the off season and he's like, "Hey, I want to have, I, I want to be here long term. Let's let's work on an extension." Um, I just don't see those two things as equal because on one hand you have a player who's in his 20s, who just came off an MVP, who has no history of injuries at all. And then with Chris Sale, first, he's a pitcher. Second, he's about to enter his age 30 season. Third, you have him under control for that year, so you can see what he actually is in his age 30 season. And and, and fourth, he, he was injured the year before. You know, so, th- so there was already all these things building up, all these red flags. And, and granted... Um, Dave Dombrowski, as part of uh, his whole campaign to not look bad for this this thing, he's already saying that it's an elbow and it's different than what he was cleared for in the offseason. Um, but with, with pitchers, everything is connected through that kinetic chain. And if you change one thing with your mechanics because your shoulder is all of a sudden a little bulkier than it's been earlier in your career, um, you change one thing with your shoulder, that can affect your elbow, that can affect your hips, that can all these different things. So I think with when when pitchers get injured, you have to look at the whole kinetic chain. And that is something that, you know, I was frankly concerned about. And I think that the Red Sox would have been prudent and Dave Dombrowski would have been prudent to let him play out this year at age 30. See what the hell he has in a player that claims he's healthy who, you know, see if he can make 32 starts this year. See how good those starts are. See if he can hold up. And um, clearly he wasn't able to be himself. And now the Red Sox are potentially stuck with a guy who's not going to be healthy again until he's 32 years old. And what's what's Chris Sale going to look like at 32 years old after Tommy John surgery? Well, I use Mookie as the example just for the timing of it. It was more of an argument of, uh, I mean, kind of like we we talked about with, well, I guess maybe it's not exactly apples to apples with Dombrowski, but you don't, especially if a guy wants to be here, you usually don't let them go into the last year of their deal. And the talk for the entire year is, are you going to resign or not? You usually lock them up. If you want them and they want to be here, then you usually lock them up. That way, that distraction is just completely gone. Um, like they did with Bogarts, and they took care of that. Now, I understand what you're saying where the hitters and pitchers, sure, there's a lot of differences between those, so maybe you have to approach those differently. But it was more of just the timing of uh, it was last year of his deal, so he was going into that lame duck season. Um, and we've seen the kind of the weight mentally that that's taken on 
Betts and on Bogarts, one having the contract and one not, and Betts saying at the All-Star break in his uh, press conference when he was asked about it that, yeah, he's been thinking about it. It's been weighing on him, and he hasn't had the same season that he had last year. He's been a lot better in the second half. Maybe just addressing it made him feel a little bit better. Yeah. But Bogarts got the deal, and then he's just been out there playing baseball like free bird. So did you want Chris Sale coming into this season and then all the talk was about are you going to re-sign and then he started off the year struggling and then all the talk is going to kick up again? Did you blow millions of dollars by all this and then that ends up just kind of spiraling out of control for there? So you had a chance to lock him up before that, just kind of stop all that. So you did it. So I don't really have much of a problem with that, although I understand where you're coming from and saying there was a ton of red flags with it why not wait it out the other piece of that is if you do normally if you wait that out and you go into the free agent season uh and you mentioned on this podcast before it's like 85 percent chance they're not coming back or resigning right so it's a much higher risk of if they stay healthy and have a great season that they're not coming back so if you wanted them and he wanted to be here i didn't have a problem getting it done I guess for me, um, I view every free agent situation as its own thing completely. Like, you know, Xander is Xander, Mookie is Mookie, Chris Sale is Chris Sale, pitchers are different than hitters, um, all those different things. I, I do get the idea that, you know, he was a big part of what the Red Sox did. He's a big part of the, the World Series run. Um, he had some great years here. But I was fully content with having – a great Chris Sale um, for the time that they had him, 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, I was fully content with the idea of that's the Chris Sale you got in the trade for Moncada and um, let somebody else pay for the risk going forward in uh, 2020 and beyond. Um, and I guess I understand the want to – um, get a ace under control, but I just I I think that there were enough red flags here where you had to kind of look at whether or not that was the best decision from a baseball standpoint. And my my thing is I would rather have paid up more um, for a guy like that. And I don't really buy into the fact that the contract would have affected him the same way as it affects like. Mookie or Xander or something like that, because whenever Chris Sale was asked about contract stuff before the the uh, the season and before he actually signed that, he was just like, nah, my agent deals with that. Like, he's the least sort of affected by things like that, or at least it seems like that publicly. Um, but anyhow, I, I guess I will, I will just close my, my Chris Sale thoughts by saying, like, I think that Dave Dombrowski went through it with the process of, Hey, here's a, here's a really talented player who we're getting at a discount. Um, and that's why he signed them. But I do think that it would have been prudent for him to wait. And if he had to pay a little bit more, pay a little bit more, but at least you'd have more information because you sure as hell aren't signing him to a five year, $145 million extension right now when he's on the way to, you know, get his elbow checked up. No, that is true. Um, all right, so let's talk about Dave Dombrowski's comments um, on Chris Sale. Um, Dave Dombrowski, when asked if Chris Sale would pitch again this year, 
he said he wasn't sure whether or not Chris Sale would pitch again this year. So I guess that's all incumbent on what happens when he goes to this doctor's appointment with Dr. James Andrews. But one of the things that really pissed me off, um, and this has been a little bit of a trend for Dave Dombrowski lately, is pissing me off with his quotes. Um, but he tried to say that there was no question that this injury to Chris Sale happened on Tuesday, meaning the start that he had against the Indians. That this elbow injury, the torn UCL that he potentially might have, fucking happened Tuesday. Like he can somehow pinpoint that from from everything that's going on. It just seems like Buckley wrote about it uh, for the Athletic today. It's just telltale, like trying to point to the fact that. Um, you know, there was nothing that I could have done here. When we signed him to the deal, we checked him top to bottom. This shit happened Tuesday. You know, like (laughs) this is not my fault. This is clearly a guy like trying to deflect right now. No, you know, you know what this goes back to? And I don't think it's the deal that he's trying to cover up for, but it's how they handle them in spring training. And not stretching them out correctly and using spring training, how spring training should have been used for pitchers, which I was actually having this conversation with my dad uh, while I was on vacation. It's a great conversation. But spring training for pitchers is literally just getting stretched out and ready to start because they haven't been throwing for like however many months. Or maybe they have, but like, I mean, they're not like throwing ready for games. So spring training is literally just going from zero to getting stretched out to be a starter. They barely pitched and then went into the season and then we're just like, boom, all right, give us, you know, seven, eight innings. And then they couldn't do it and then they were terrible. Now, Chris Sale, the flukiness of his delivery has been well documented since he was a prospect, uh, was not properly stretched out and then just thrown out there. And then all of a sudden he's having the worst year of his career. He's having the worst ERA by a run. He has the worst uh, walks per nine since uh, 2012. Uh, And he has his worst record ever. So, and we've had all of the inconsistencies with his velocity. All these struggles with walks, giving up dingers left and right. He can't locate his slider. All of those are symptoms of of a fucked up elbow. <laughs> so yeah, they may not the, have been entirely truthful about insisting that he's a hundred percent healthy all year. <laughs> yeah, especially the stuff. Um, and I thought of this as soon as it happened, but especially the stuff surrounding his slider this year, not yeah. having the same horizontal break. Um, that tends to be a, a telltale symptom when your when your UCL is kind of messed up or it's yeah. fraying or whatever. Um, your breaking stuff loses command and bite um, to it, and we've seen that happen with pitchers time and time again. But we really saw that with Chris Sale this year, and it wasn't so much the diminished velocity early in the season that was screwy. It was the fact that like he he didn't have the same slider that he usually has, and when he had his slider. He would oftentimes miss, and that sucker would break horizontally, but it wouldn't break as much, and it would break in the center of the zone. And then it would get absolutely hammered for home runs. Right. Just a flat frisbee, chest high. Right. And you'd see dudes like, I don't know, Marcus Simeon taking him deep 480 feet. Right. 
No offense to Marcus Simeon. But. No, he's a good player. But, um, yeah, it's just it's, it's wild. Yeah, so, I mean, they very much insisted that he was healthy, and I wonder how much of that was Chris Sale just wanting to blame himself versus not wanting to blame an injury and maybe just kind of going a little bit too far with it. Because he seems like that kind of guy that's like, no, I'm not going to use an injury cop-out. I just feel like it's more of myself. And, you know, I've we've all been sore for a little bit, so, you know, it's nothing unusual. And then now finally it's like, you know what, actually I do kind of feel a little bit more sore. They get it checked out. All of a sudden, oh, my God, his elbow's broken. What a goddamn shock. Yeah, and I think that the, the, the one part of this that might be a little bit underrated is the, the guy who they're dealing with, right? You're dealing with Chris Sale, a guy who's notorious for wanting to go out there and pitch and take the ball in any situation. And I think that we oftentimes think that the guys don't have really any control over what happens to them medically, like when they get MRIs and stuff like that. But the the team doesn't have complete control over how cooperative these guys are going to be and chris sale might have thought to himself hey i just signed this five-year deal the team is struggling i need to be out there i need to be helping the team and ignoring symptoms that he's having not reporting symptoms to the trainer um, when offered things like treatment or mri maybe deciding not to do those okay so there's a whole bunch of stuff that chris sale could have been frankly hiding because he wanted to be out there and be the warrior and be the guy to help his team. And I don't, I think that that's likely, I think that that's not something that we should discount. Well, me too. Yeah. I'm right there with you because of, like you said, everything else that we've documented. I mean, we, we, um, whatever, however many pods ago it was that I did the, the deep dive and noticed that his slider was all jacked up. And then all of this other supporting data, it really points towards that this is not something that just happened on Tuesday. It is something that has been bothering him for much longer than that. Yeah. So I I agree with you 100%. I think it's something that he's been dealing with for maybe the majority of the season, but just hasn't really wanted to say it. Yeah. Um, because he has had starts where he goes out and strikes out 17. He's been able to work through it. Um, but you just you can't just do that with <laughs> when your elbow is jacked up. So, uh, I mean, particularly this, there's just so much about his stat line. It's just out of character. Yeah. That just, it really kind of baffles you as to, there had to be something else because it's just, there's just been so many years of dominance that, I mean, he's never had a, a home run to fly ball rate, even close to 20. And right. that's where he is now. And you're kind of like, what is going on with this? So, right. I, yeah, there's just there's way too much evidence pointing towards something that he's that's been bothering him for much longer than just a week, or something that just happened in his last start. That I, I'm not gonna buy that. And I think it just my assumption is that it, it probably goes back to spring training, and they're just trying to cover their ass on how they handled all their pitchers and. Hopefully they will not do that again. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to the deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So, enough talk about Chris Sale here um, because that, that Chris Sale talk is getting a little bit depressing here. The Red Sox have won five games in a row. This is good. Um, we didn't lead with this fact because they're pretty much completely out of the playoffs. Um, there's very little uh, chance that they can make it, but um, I think it's worth recognizing that they did a good job taking care of two out of three against the Indians and then sweeping a horrible Orioles team in um, sort of epic fashion yesterday with the Orioles just throwing up on all over themselves, even though Nady Evaldi went out there and completely sucked for the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, that was pretty entertaining stuff. I mean, the Moreland hit in particular, like normally when you see the triangle of death with fielders, it's like relatively deep into the outfield, not yeah. like literally in the infield. <laughs> Are you referring to the play where nobody covered a base for Chris Davis? No. Um, the Mitch Moreland off the end of the bat, he hit just a little looper to oh, right where the yes. shortstop should have been standing. Yep. Um, but for whatever reason, VR missed it, and then he threw it away trying to get home on the one that the uh, – I think it was Mitch Moreland's hit that tied it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good fielding team. It's not no. a good anything team, but um, that was was pretty remarkable. Um, and then the, yeah. the play that I was talking about, Chris Davis fielded the ball and then went to go to throw to second and no one was there. And then looked to first and the pitcher wasn't covering at first either, so he just had to eat the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Man, sharp. Yeah, the, the Orioles are uh, very... Um, very interesting baseball team. Um, I think that's the nicest way I could possibly say that. Good news for them is they're only half a game out from uh, first overall pick. Nice. Coming off the backs of Adley Rushman, they might actually have a farm system soon. Yeah. Um, Nadia Valdi, though, looked really bad in this one. Um, sure and did. The, the reason why I bring that up here and not to, you know, continuously harp on bad news, but, um, you know, with Chris Sale uh, potentially getting Tommy John, David Price on the injured list, uh, Nathan Eovaldi has spent three months on the IL this year already, and then since he's come back, he's not looked very good. Those are three of their starting pitchers signed to long-term deals. Um, that is not great. No. And even for the short term, they essentially have two starters. It's Porcello and Erod, and then they've basically just been coupling Evaldi and Brian Johnson together, and then they have two days where they don't know what they're going to do. So that'll be fun. 
Yeah, it's really uh, it's it's crazy because you and Matt talked about this um, on Locked On when I was not around. Um, that Erod is on pace for uh, the most innings. Well, he's already surpassed the most innings he's already thrown, but he's on pace for like 190 innings this year. Um, so that's a lot for him. So we don't really know what he's going to be um, for the rest of the year, considering this is already uncharted territory for him. Nady Evaldi, like we can expect nothing out of him. Rick Porcellus had a bad season. So I genuinely am going to be interested in tuning into the Red Sox over the last 30 some odd games just simply to figure out who the hell they're going to throw out there on the mound. Yeah, me too. Exactly. And that's, it's, I I don't know, maybe I would feel slightly different about it or, I mean, once rosters expand, then they have a bit more options internally, but until then they don't. (laughs) It seems like uh, a lot of these, these pitchers are going to get some, substantial run uh the september call-ups and we're going to hit on some of those guys um coming up here pretty quickly well let's just do that now i guess um i wanted the to talk picture about... for tomorrow is still listed as tbd <laughs> so we could see one of these guys as soon as tomorrow uh we don't really know there are a few guys who are on the 40 man already who could be candidates for this mike schwarin uh who did come up at one point Hector Velasquez who we've seen enough for him of him to last a lifetime Ryan Weber um Josh Smith I do not want to see Josh Smith again um Tanner Houck is someone who they could add to the 40 man but he's been pitching on the bullpen so that really wouldn't make any sense Kyle Hart's a potential guy um who's been throwing relatively well um but if they were to bring up Kyle Hart, they'd have to add him to the 40-man. But that might make sense anyway because the Red Sox um, are going to need to protect Kyle Hart uh, because he is Rule 5 eligible this upcoming season. Yeah, they actually have kind of a handful of guys that um, come September are probably going to be just kind of a rash of DFAs. Um the back end of their 40-man roster is just filled with all of like the rotating um, relievers that have just come up, like Colton Brewer, Ryan Weber, Bobby Pointer. I mean, all those guys. So probably a whole bunch of guys are going to get DFA'd to make room for some of these younger guys, like uh, Tanner Houck, I guess. He had to be one of them. So I think there's... It's, September is going to be really interesting. I mean, unless they just plan on doing like two bullpen days and just continually rotating these guys through, which I don't really want to. That won't be fun. I don't want to see that. No, and I think they want to see what they have in some of these guys as well. Um, I, I think you're you're right on with the point of there's a lot of fat on the the back end of this forty man. Like guys who I wouldn't be shocked to see DFA would include. Stephen Wright, who is still on the 40-man, probably not a member of the uh, next year's Red Sox team. Um, Hector Velasquez could be. Ryan Weber could be. Josh Smith could be. Colton Brewer could be. Bobby Pointer could be. Trevor Kelly could be. Um, So that's a whole bunch of spots. And then they have um, Rule 5 guys who are eligible, guys that they are going to need to add to the 40-man roster or they will risk losing these guys in December. 
um, when the Rule 5 draft happens. But Bobby Dahlbeck is someone they need to add. Probably they will add him for September. Um, Pedro Castellanos is another one. He's been super hot lately. CJ Chatham, he will need to be added. Kyle Hart, Josh Ockamy, and Marcus Wilson. Those are all guys who, to me, stood out as fairly obvious guys to add to the 40-man. And then there are a few other guys who they might end up considering adding. Um, Chad DeLaGuerra comes to mind. He's one that they could consider adding. Um, Eduard Bizzardo could be one. Yoan Ibar could be one. Um, probably not because those are kind of the stereotypical guys that are taken. Um, relievers, reliever types in the Rule 5 draft. But I think the the six that I named initially are ones that I'd be really shocked if they weren't taking up the 40-man roster spot by the time Rule 5 run uh, comes around. Yeah, I agree with every single one of those. Um, I would also predict that Joey Carletta is also removed from yes, the 40-man. Yes, I agree. I just completely went past his name, but he's probably the prime candidate to be the first one kicked off. Yeah. That's probably <laughs> going to happen before we get to September. Yeah, I would I would assume so. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. And when you're looking at pitchers who are currently starters at AAA who could come up and actually get some run here, um, Kyle Hart is really the biggest one that jumps out to me in that regard. What do you think about that are there any other names that you think like could come up and actually make a couple starts down the stretch so um i think matt had also mentioned hart he's probably the one that definitely comes to mind um i'm not sure there's much anything else down there right now really all i see at potsocket is just a bunch of relievers yeah, I mean, Teddy Stankiewicz is another possibility, but he is not that good. Um, <laughs> he's got a 408 ERA and um, sort of gets hit around too much. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think there are any real options there, but it'll be interesting to see. Maybe they do um, add those guys just to see what they have um, before they have to make some more serious Rule 5 type roster considerations. Maybe Denny Reyes. I mean, he's down at Portland. That'd be quite a jump, though. I don't know about that. I think he would get absolutely destroyed if he came up. Yeah, I think he would, too. I am so not a Denny Reyes guy. I know Matt likes him more than me, but every time I see Denny Reyes, I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why this guy is is even on the 40-man to begin with. But He had a pretty bad start to the season, but he's, I mean, he's turned around a little bit. I mean, he doesn't... The strikeouts just really aren't there, though. That's It's too much contact. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's move on to some listener questions because we got some really good ones. We sure uh, did. This week. Uh, we got a lot. So we're going to kick it off with Matt Kitson's question. He says, bit of a philosophical question. How do you define value in terms of MVP? There's no question that Mike Trout over the last five plus years has been the best player in baseball, yet the Angels never seem, seemingly never come close to playing in October. You want to tackle this one, Keaton? Sure. Um, well, it's it's probably just ingrained from all the other sports, but baseball's version of most valuable 
Just it has to be different. Just because of in every other sport, one player makes so much more of an impact. Like um, hockey, you know, if you're down a goal in the third period, Ovechkin's on the ice, you're getting him a shot, and you know he's going to have a chance to tie it up. Down a score in the fourth quarter, Brady's getting it done. Or if you're down, you know, one point to the Bulls in the playoffs then Big Baby Davis is hitting your game winner. Everybody knows it. <laughs> so your best player, you get the the ball or you, you give your best player a chance to put the team on their back. In baseball, not the same situation. If you're down a run with like a runner in scoring position, you still may be four batters away from Trout. Right. You just may not have the opportunity. So it's really, it's who's doing the best with the opportunities that they have. And there's no doubt that Mike Trout is doing the most with his opportunities. And so that really is providing the most value that you can. Yeah, and whether that's in the plate, up at the plate or in the field, um, yeah. Mike Trout has been by far the best player on a per-plate appearance uh, you know, point of view um in terms of offensively how well he's performed over the last five years and then his defense has gotten better as well as the years have gone on in center field so he's done a lot to to make up for any deficiencies that he might have had on that side as well so he's a legitimate super elite hitter and uh elite fielder as well so i i do get the the thought process of like, hey, um, why is this even a discussion? Like Mookie, uh, like last year was, you know, obviously incredible in on a winning team. And when it's close in terms of what they produce on a per plate appearance um, or for the year sort of thing, like the, Mookie actually outpaced them in war last year. But when it's close and one guy is on a winning team and one guy is not, I get that. But with Mike Trout, it's just so often that it's not close. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, and we hope that answered your question, Matt. If if we if we didn't, um, you know, just let us know. We'll try to. There's also, I guess, the championship win probability, um, which I guess if you looked at that, I don't know, maybe that's there for you. But uh, right now, uh, Christian Yelich leads the MLB, followed by Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper. And I don't think those are the names most people would think of for MVP. Are those uh, WPA win probability added? Is that what that's based off of? Championship win probability added. What the hell does that mean? Champion. That sounds pretty self-explanatory, Jake. I mean, but they didn't win any championships. <laughs> That's from uh, MLB Random Stats on Twitter. Okay. I don't know what that means, so I'm just going to keep going. Okay. Our <laughs> next question is DHO61 asking, looking to the offseason, what contracts are coming off the books? Will Red Sox be buyers in the offseason? So luckily for us, um, Chad Jennings is a really good writer, and he has already gone through all this for us. So the pending free agents for the Red Sox this upcoming season are Rick Porcello, Andrew Kashner, Mitch Moreland, Steve Pierce, Brock Holt, and Chris Owings. Oh, you know what? I forgot about Kashner. They're probably going to have to make him start. 
Yeah, they, uh, that's probably true. Um, the controlled core team guys who are under control through 2022 are David Price, Chris Sale, Nate Eovaldi. All three of those guys have been injured, by the way. Um, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Andrew Benintendi, and Christian Vasquez. Okay, so that's your core, and that's the guys who are going to be up. Um, guys who are sort of, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with them. We're waiting to see whether J.D. Martinez is going to opt into his contract, and we're waiting to see what's going to happen with Mookie Betts. Is he going to be a guy that the Red Sox trade, lock up, or let him play out the string? And then guys who have one more year of team control uh, after this, uh, who have a significant role with the team. Brendan Workman has one more year. Stephen Wright, which probably is a guy who I don't think they're going to resign. Jackie Bradley Jr. has one more year, and Sandy Leon has one more year. Sandy Leon is one that the Red Sox might not keep if Chris Sale gets Tommy John. Right? Because why? Why have him? Good point. But he doesn't make that much money, so I don't know. Um, but let's talk about the second part of this question. Will the Red Sox be buyers in the offseason? I think that they should, regardless of what happens with Chris Sale. Well, they might have to be for a starter, right? Some right. sort of a starter. And they definitely have to be for a closer or a bullpen. Or probably at least two bullpen arms. Yeah. And we've kind of ran through a few of those guys, the potential options that are going to be available for closers. It's going to be big names like Kenley Jansen, Araldis Chapman, uh, Will Smith uh, from the Giants is going to be a free agent. So there are a few guys who are real impact players there. And then in terms of free agent starting pitchers, um, there are some impact names available there as well. Um, like Hyunjin, Ryu, Garrett Cole. Those are kind of the headliners of the class. Um, Steven Strasburg and Jake Arrieta are probably not likely to opt out. Neither is Yu Darvish. Um, but other names available for this upcoming offseason, Cole Hamels, Dallas Keuchel, um, Rich Hill, uh, if he decides to continue to pitch, Tanner Roark, Alex Wood, um, Jake Odorizzi, you know, Kyle Gibson. Nothing completely... Uh, uh, enticing. Um, Madison Bumgarner is another big name. Um, you know, so there there are some some guys available. And a few guys with club options that will probably be picked up. Like um, Corey Kluber, Julio Tehran, uh, Jose Quintana, Chris Archer. These are all names that are likely to be picked up. So I, I guess we're not really going to have a crystal clear version of what the market's going to look like until some decisions are made by players and teams. Here's a question for you right now. Uh, fourth outfielder, should the Red Sox take a chance on Billy Hamilton? No. Because Billy Hamilton is bad at baseball. Not even as a bench bat? or Well, I mean, it's definitely not for his bat, but as a bench <laughs> option? <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so. I think uh, if you want a fast runner, you have one in the minors already. His name is Jaron Durant. I would say what the hell. Okay. Uh, Nick James has our next question. He says, is Devers better than Mike Trout? No. No, he's not. Um, but 
I think you brought up an interesting discussion uh, before that the baseball commentators were having. Uh, Joe Castiglione was one of these. Um, and they were talking about who you'd rather have from the trio of Juan Soto, who is uh, playing out his age 20 season right now. He has a 141 WRC plus on the season, 28 home runs, 12 stolen bases. He's excellent. Um, versus Ronald Acuna Jr., who has 35 home runs on the season so far, 29 stolen bases, a 133 WRC plus. He's 21 years old, playing out his age 21 season. And then we have one Rafael Devers, who's playing out his age 22 season right now. 332 batting average, the highest of the bunch. 147 WRC plus, the highest of the bunch. And a 5.5 war, the highest of the bunch. So out of these three guys, how would you rank them in terms of who you'd want on your franchise? They're 20, 21, and 22 years old, so it's... Tough to make a, a bad choice here. This is going to be controversial, but I'm going to go with Acuna, Acuna, Soto, and then Devers. Man. Okay, why? Not really concerned about the position, but I mean, Acuna is really just doing it all. Um, we talked about, I mean, before this set, he has like a legitimate shot to go 40 40 on the year. Hitting right around 300. Uh, it's not that far behind. Uh, Devers in war. Plays good enough defense. And with Soto, I mean, the dude's just an on-base machine. And both of them were doing it at 19 years old at the major league level. Like Both of them, I believe, had wars over five last year. And they're probably, well, Soto's a little bit further away. But he's probably going to get there again this season. And, I mean, just the fact that they've, been doing it for i mean not not that it's like a pop-up for devers i mean he's 22 but um i just think he's a he's a close third behind soto and then acuna is still ahead of the other two man i have it completely different than you um if i was to take one of these guys lock them up for the rest of their career on my team I would go Soto, then Devers, then Acuna. Whoa. And basically my, my, my reasoning here is because I think that the offensive skill set, the bat, the plate skills um, are the best for Soto. Um, yeah, that's clear. I think some of, the, some of the things that he does are just unbelievable. I mean, 15.6% walk rate this year, 19.8% um, strikeout rate. Uh, he just he has such a good idea of what he's doing at the plate that I think that he's going to continue to just develop into the best hitter in baseball eventually. Um, I think that Rafael Devers is second in terms of his ability to um, impact the game from an offensive standpoint. I think that both of those guys are ahead of where Acuna is offensively. The edge that Acuna has right now is the fact that he uses his legs. Like, he can run right now, um, and he does have more swing and miss to his game than the other two guys, um, and I love Acuna. I think he's amazing. He, I could, could be completely wrong here, and he could end up being by far the best player of this group, um, but I think that his defense isn't that special right now, even as he's a younger player. 
Um, and he's got a 9.9% walk rate, 24.6% K rate. Um, he's electric, but I just I would rather have the uh, the two guys who I think bats will age better as the as their careers go on. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Gordon Comstock asks our next question, one that's kind of interesting and was painful for me to think about. If you could switch one position player on the Red Sox with the Yankees, who would it be? And he has to play the same position, and it can't be LeMahieu, who I think he's thinking of LeMahieu at second base, not first base where he has been playing because second base has sort of been the, the one unsettled position aside from first for the Red Sox uh, this year. And so I thought about this, and for me, it's pretty obvious it would be Aaron Hicks for Jackie Bradley Jr., that would be who I would choose. I would say Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez for Christian Vasquez? Yeah. Sanchez has improved his defense quite a bit to the point where he's not, like, getting pass balls on fastballs. And uh, just having, like, 30 homer power at a catcher position is pretty nice. But don't you hate his face? I do hate his face. Yeah. So, that's... It's covered by a catcher's mask. Yeah. I don't know. I love Vasquez's arm too much. Um, ben Jacobson has our next question. He says, I read in a lot, and honestly, I didn't know what to ask. It feels like they're going to go out and lose this series and kill any momentum they built up and fall out of it. Uh, fall out of it uh, for the year. Um, I don't know, Ben. Just uh, I'm going to give you a little pep talk here, Ben. Um, I don't know how old you are. You might be a younger fan. Um, you might not, but... You probably are. Um, just, uh, just enjoy the things that you can enjoy this season. There are not going to be any playoff games in all likelihood, um, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to see Rafael Devers do amazing things down the stretch. See where his numbers end up at the end of the season. Ditto with Xander Bogarts. Uh, Mookie Betts have been playing great baseball as well, so you get to watch him. Uh, enjoy the offensive side of things. See what the young guys do when they come up in September. Um, there's still a lot of fun things you can watch when your team's out of it. So, and, and the Red Sox aren't quite out of it yet. So, you know, keep keep in mind that a miracle could happen. Anything to add there, Keaton? Brandon Workman's curveball is fun. Yeah, there you go. All right, next question. Costa says, is there any path to a 28-8 and finish? Uh, this team will likely need to make the playoffs. Uh, and if not, what and who do you want to see in September? So we kind of tackled the September stuff already. Um, so I think that the Red Sox chances of going 28-8 and to finish this season sort of died with this Chris Sale hitting the IL thing. That just makes it even more unlikely. And even if they did do that, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics would both have to play like 500 or below baseball. And the odds of all those things happening at the same time are spectacularly bad. The Red Sox right now have one and a half legitimate starters. That's not going to get you 28 wins. Not with this bullpen. No. Yeah. Costa, man. That Sorry, dude. Don't do it. 
don't know. This, I wish we could uh, entertain this one further, but we can't. We cannot. All right. Let's go to Matt Snow's question. Matt Snow says, if the Red Sox offer Mookie an extension in the Trout to Arenado AAV range and he doesn't take it, do we trade him and have a Mookie list 2020 and then bet that he hits free agency with the idea we could re-sign him when it hits the open market? For what it's worth, I'm not saying this is what the Sox should do. I'm not an insane person, but it seems worthy of discussion. Uh, and then we have a follow-up to that from Brendan Whitley, who says, you seriously have to consider this if Sale needs Tommy John is at all next year. Um, and then goes on to talk about a few other guys, younger guys who might end up getting different roles. Um, let's tackle this question. Keaton, what do you think about this? If he doesn't accept an offer in that AAV range, is it the Red Sox uh, inclination that they should trade him? If they trade him, they're not getting him back. I mean, that's almost certain. So I agree with that. The presumption that, or the assumption that you could just trade him and then use 2020 as a bridge, come back 2021 with a healthy sale and Mookie now under a new contract, not going to happen. That'd be nice. But, I mean, that's, and you know what? That's, we're going to hear that probably that whole scenario. Just continue until there's actual like resolution with Mookie, and maybe even beyond. If like they do trade him, and his new team doesn't sign him to an extension, we're gonna hear it all next year that Mookie's coming back. Mookie's going back, just like we're hearing Jimmy Garoppolo's coming back to the Patriots once Brady retires, and until he actually has a long-term contract with someone, everybody's just gonna be like, oh no, 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 no. he'll come back, he'll come back, he'll come back. It's not going to happen. It's either he's going to sign a long-term contract extension, or if he gets traded, he's not coming back. So uh, I guess if we're playing the game, I guess that would be ideal. Send him away, get something, like a massive whatever package, and then he comes back. The only time that has like ever happened was with Chapman. Yep. And... Because everything works out for the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, it's just not going to happen. Well, let's let's explore the the possibility though. Let's say you do offer. Let's say the the Red Sox like decide not to fuck around here, and they offer Mookie legitimately like what they think that he's worth. They offer him something under Trout, above Harper, for an extension, and Mookie says no. Like, at that point, you probably trade him, right? Yeah. Especially if Chris Sale is going to be out. See, I was against it because I felt like with him, uh, obviously the assumption was with Sale, that you had a real shot to compete again next year. But without Sale, I mean, there's really nothing in that pitching staff. I, yeah, I think I probably would have cave at that point yeah and i i had i have never thought about that in these terms i think the chris sale thing does change the equation a little bit i think the red sox should go out and make a a very 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 respectable offer to him Uh, basically anything that you'd be willing to pay like try it and if and if he doesn't want to sign it you know that means he's either convinced he can get some team to 
give him better than Trout money, which I don't know if that's possible. Um, and the other thing it might mean is that he just doesn't want to resign in Boston. Um, and at that point, like you gotta just you gotta cut bait. Um, and it's weird to say, but like, yeah, next year. I mean, I don't know if that's if next year is gonna be what we think it is if we get bad news on sale. So it's yeah. also worth noting that Mookie's down season this year has come at the expense of some stolen bases as well. Uh, Mookie has 12 stolen bases on the year, and this is the first season that he is not on pace to steal 20 bases um, since 2015 when he came up. Uh, he's still 21, 26, 26, and 30. Um, and he only has 21 home runs this year, um, so he needs to uh, start hitting some home runs to avoid a uh, a dip. Uh, he, you know, he's not going to hit 32 in all likelihood like he had last year, um, but he had 24 and 31 the years before that. So um, it, it's kind of doubtful whether or not he's going to hit 30. So it could be he could be under 30 30 home runs and under 20 stolen bases this year. Um, with a WRC plus of right around 130, which is not exactly what we're looking for from Mookie. I think we we feel like he's a better player than that. I think he should be. I don't. I don't think Mookie's the 185 WRC plus guy that he was last year when he batted 346. Um, but I do believe that he's like a true talent 150 WRC plus guy. Yeah, that seems right. Um, do you think it'll affect him at all that his seasons have been a little bit up and down? 8.3 war, or 4.8 war, 8.3, 5.3, 10.4, and then this year he's on pace for like a 6 war season right now. Will affect him how? Like the teams are going to view him as a little bit inconsistent. He has up oh. and down seasons. He's alternated really good good years, or big jumps I should say, with years where he doesn't play quite as well perhaps i think that's probably a bigger reason why i mean unless the red sox like you said just kind of muscle up and go somewhere between harper and trout that he's going to want to go to free agency and use next year to be like look i am mvp mookie Betts. that's who i am um because he probably wouldn't want to sign a contract based off of this season and have that be kind of like the last taste in his mouth. But it's not a bad season. Uh, especially the second half. He's been on an absolute tear. And even so, like, um, he's walked more than he's struck out this season, hasn't he? Which is, he's been pretty close to it in previous seasons. But I don't think he's actually finished a year where he's walked more than he's struck out. And so, I mean, he's not, he's not like... He is on pace to do that. Yeah. Uh, He's 14.9% walk rate, 14.8% K rate. Yeah, he was close to doing it last year. He's within 1.5%. And he's, you know, on pace to do it now. I mean, his OBP is still almost 400. So it's the second highest OBP he's had in his career. So, I mean, there, it's been up and down, but it's not like. It's it's funny that we say down and his down is still better than like eighty five percent of the league. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, do we have any other listener questions, Keaton? Uh, let me give that 
one more gander. Let's see if we got any others. Blue, blue. We did not. Okay. Well, that closes it out for us. Any any uh, last thoughts before we get out of here? We've run a little bit long today. We have. Um, so, Mookie, three thirteen. Nope. What the shit? There we go. Three thirteen, three eighty six, five ninety two. Second half splits. I mean, that's not that far off from where he's. Yeah, that's very he's good. Been pretty damn good. So it's kind of funny that like after he addressed his contract like the, for the first time that he's been back on a tear. So I wonder if that was just like even just addressing it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of feel better now. Yeah, and 146 <laughs> WRC plus in the second half, which is basically yeah. where I believe he is true talent-wise. Yeah, pretty darn good. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure as teams try and penny pinch and squeeze, they'll be like, well, that wasn't that great of a year. But, I mean, it's he's still really freaking good at baseball. <laughs> so, And next year will be his age 27 season. So yeah. that, that helps him too. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Over the Monster podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on, subscribe, rate, and review us. We always appreciate that. And you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at, at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at, at DevJake. And you can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. So thanks again, and we will be with you next week. <laughs>